Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Into the Huddle podcast. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm JW. And today, we're going to talk about week eight of the NFL. There were a lot of great games, but let's start with arguably the biggest matchup of the weekend. A rematch of the NFC Championship from last year. It was the San Francisco 49ers at the LA Rams, and this wasn't even a contest. The 49ers absolutely destroyed the Rams by a score of 31 to 14. They especially pulled away in the fourth quarter. And I think one of the big stars of this game was clearly Christian McCaffrey, only his second week in San Francisco, and he was phenomenal. Jada, what do you think of McCaffrey's performance? I mean, yeah, he did it all. You know, they used him in the past game, the run game. He even threw a, uh, a pass on a trick play for a touchdown. I mean, he was... He was doing it all for them, and, I mean, that's a big reason that they were just easily able to outscore this Rams offense that looked pretty pitiful. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. He did all of everything that for the 49ers. He had a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown. First player since LaDainian Tomlinson in 2005 to have three of each type of touchdown, and I think that he adds such a dangerous dynamic to the 49ers offense because the 49ers for so long they've always had a great running game but it's always been running back by committee and it's always been more on the offensive line and on Kyle Shanahan's play calling to get the running game going but now they have a legitimate superstar running back who can just make it wow plays all the time and I think you pair him with Debo Samuel when he comes back, with George Kittle who's starting to play well, I think the 49ers are really formidable force. Do you think they can be the best team in the NFC? Or is maybe Garoppolo still holding them back? I mean, if they continue to run the ball like this with Christian McCaffrey getting five yards a carry, if they can do that on consistently against good teams, they can easily be the best team in the NFC. If that continues, but if it doesn't, Jimmy Garoppolo really holds this team back from being one of those upper echelon Super Bowl contenders. And, you know, that's interesting you're saying that because earlier on this season, you were one of the people who was saying that Jimmy Garoppolo should be playing instead of Trey Lance. Do you think the 49ers would be better if they had Trey Lance right now? Honestly, I think both are are not that great at QB. I think they kind of were oversold in what Trey Lance was coming out of college. So I don't think either of them are like those players that are just going to make your team, you know, Super Bowl contenders every year. But I think both with this run game can get them to the Super Bowl. I think they're very similar. Yeah, I agree. I think now that we're clearly seeing that the Rams are not very good, the 49ers are probably the best team in the NFC West. And really, I think their only competition is probably the Eagles, maybe the Vikings, if Kirk Cousins play well in primetime games. And though the 49ers are 4-3, and three, they've had a lot of injuries. And really... Week one, they lost a very winnable game against the Chicago Bears in, like, a rainstorm. That was a complete anomaly. And then they lost uh, to the Broncos somehow. So they've just had some really strange losses. They've been really affected by injuries. As they continue to get healthier, I think it's clear they have one of the best rosters in the league. When Debo's back, you know, him and Christian McCaffrey are two probably of the top five playmakers in the NFL. They still have a great defense. Nick Bosa is still a great player. So yeah, I think the 49ers are a legitimate threat. But as you mentioned, Garoppolo is probably the one thing that we should still be concerned about and you should be concerned about if you're a 49ers fan. 
Now, let's touch on the other team in this game, the LA Rams. You know, they have been extremely disappointing. They're obviously the defending Super Bowl champions, but they've been completely uncharacteristic this year. I mean, their play has been terrible. Matt Stafford has looked more like Matt Stafford of the Lions. He's been throwing interceptions all the time. They can't establish the running game. Cam Akers isn't playing. Their defense just allowed 31 points against the 49ers at home. But I think one of the, you know, one of the most shocking things that I saw in this game was if you look at the Rams stadium, and I know this might seem insignificant, but the Rams stadium, they were playing at home and in their stadium, they were more 49ers fans than Rams fans. And these are the defending Super Bowl champions. They're, they just literally won the Super Bowl. They're in the second biggest market in the US and there are more opposing fans at their own stadium in a rivalry game. How, how does this happen? And also, you might think this doesn't really matter, but I think it's extremely demoralizing. Imagine you're uh, an average Rams player. You just won the Super Bowl. You're extremely excited about this new season. And then you see the people in LA, they don't even care. You get no home field advantage. You know, the first game of the season against the Bills, they had to use a silent count at home. Do you think I'm exaggerating here? Like, I think this is a real thing where the Rams are, they've been good, but no one in LA seems to care, and they constantly. I mean, yeah, it, it's a problem for the Rams, but I mean, LA is just. I mean, the Rams—they've been in St. Louis for a long time. Moved here, they don't really have any fans. Most of the fans are still fans of the Chargers, who were just in San Diego. And if they've been growing up with that as their closest team, they're probably Chargers fans or maybe Raiders or Niners fans who live in LA. Uh, you know, L.A., it's just never really been an NFL city. It's always been, you know, USC football. That's really been the dominant, uh, like, team to root for there. And it's it's really more of a basketball city with great teams like UCLA, the Clippers, the Lakers. It's just not really the Ram city. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And also, let's touch on the actual football the Rams are playing. And I mentioned Matthew Stafford has been bad. What have you seen from him? Should we be concerned, or is he just going through a, a rough patch of play? I mean, with a veteran like that, you can't be too concerned. I mean, you saw what he was able to do last year with a great team. And, uh, you yeah, know, I think he can get it back on pace. But if he doesn't, it's going to be tough for this team with, you know, trading almost all of their picks uh, to rebuild. Like, how do you really rebuild going into a season knowing you got no picks, you didn't do well uh, this year, and, like, if going into next season, if you miss the playoffs, like, what, what really is there to root for for Rams fans and for guys like Matthew Stafford who are locked up there for a while? And I think another concern they should have is I think Cooper Cup got banged up in this game. And if Cooper Cup is out for an extended period of time, I mean, I don't see how the Rams are going to be any good on offense because he's basically their entire offense right now. Since OBJ left, they have no other good receiver. Their tight ends aren't very good. Their running backs aren't very good. Their O-line is extremely weak with the loss, with the retirement of Andrew Whitworth. So, you know, especially if Cooper Cup doesn't come back, I think I think the Rams need to be really concerned. And you mentioned it's going to be extremely difficult for them to rebuild. Now, let's talk about the first game of the week. The Ravens played the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. And, you know... It was maybe a bit surprising, but the Ravens won this game 
in a tight one. Lamar Jackson played extremely well down the stretch. Tom Brady now falls two games below 500 for the first time in his career. Tom Brady just got divorced. Everything seems to be falling apart for Tom Brady. A few weeks ago, I said that he seems... I, I said he, he's washed. He seems to be washed. He's not the same player he used to be. There are so many off-the-field distractions. I don't think he's the same player. And you, 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 you said, no, I think Tom Brady's still good. You kind of pushed back on me. Do you think I'm right? I mean, the the Bucks well, are three I and five. Eight, eight games going three and five. Look, he has tons of times to turn it around. He's, I mean, their division is not that good. Uh, they can easily go on a hot stretch, win the division, make the playoffs. We know the NFC is not that great in the playoffs. Besides uh, the Eagles, I mean, we're not really sure who the number two team is. The Buccaneers can definitely sweep in there with Tom Brady and win the NFC this year, even after coming off a tough start. I mean, I'm going to disagree. Just watching Tom Brady play, he doesn't seem like the same player. He's missing a lot of arm strength. He can't make the throws he used to make. And I just think there are too many off-the-field distractions. You know, whether it be what's going on with his wife or or otherwise, he just he's just not fully focused he's not fully locked in he's screaming at teammates i think this is the end for tom brady i think he should have retired at the start of the season and it's really disappointing to see that instead of retiring at at the top as one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl he's probably going to retire going seven and ten maybe missing the playoffs and not being particularly good and I don't think this Bucks team is very good anymore. Their defense has been kind of weak. Devin White doesn't seem to be the same player he used to be. Mike Evans, you know, is dropping a lot of passes. So, yeah, I think this might be close to the end for Tom Brady. I mean, look, the same thing happened as last year in New England. They didn't have a good season. They made the playoffs, lost pretty badly in that playoffs game. Tom Brady throwing a game-ending pick six. And uh, guess what? Next year, he's a free agent, goes to the Buccaneers and wins the Super Bowl. So for the second part of this episode, unfortunately, JW won't be joining me. So I will take it from here. And now we're going to talk about the Seattle Seahawks, who are one of the surprise teams in the NFL. A lot of people predicted them to be one of the worst teams. People were saying they would get three or four wins. Obviously, they traded Russell Wilson in the offseason. But somehow, some way, Pete Carroll has found a way to re-energize this team. The Seahawks just defeated the New York Giants on Sunday, who the previously 6-1 New York Giants, who were on a four-game winning streak. And the Seahawks won this game by a score of 27-13. Geno Smith continued his comeback of the year player performance. He was great in this game, as was the Seahawks' defense, which has a ton of amazing young talent and really, I think the resurgence of the Seahawks, who are now 5-3 and three in first place of the NFC West, has to come down to Pete Carroll. A lot of people questioned Pete Carroll in the offseason. They were saying, you know, the Seahawks should have stuck with Russell Wilson and they should have gotten rid of Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is the oldest coach in the NFL. He, he's been criticized a lot because people say that his rah-rah mentality, his high-energy practices and his like his team first mentality it gets old really quickly stars don't like to play under him and that's why you've seen so many great players leave Seattle over the past few years but really Pete Carroll this season has proven 
that he is really a great head coach, that he, you know, reestablished why he's one of the best coaches in the league, and you have to give him a ton of credit. Nobody believed the Seahawks team had any talent. Everybody said it was it had to be a rebuild. Everybody said they had to be tanking for Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, and Pete Carroll recognized that there were some players on this team that could be developed into real superstars. And you have to give also credit to the general manager, John Snyder, who had a phenomenal draft. I mean, the the offensive lineman, Charles Cross, in the first round, he's been phenomenal. They also drafted a right tackle who is a starter and has been great. Uh, Kenneth Walker, who was a second-round pick, he's he might be the offensive rookie of the year. He's a phenomenal running back. He had a great touchdown to seal the game at the at the end against the Giants. They also drafted Tariq Woolen in the fourth round, who's a 6'5", 240 corner, runs a 4-240. He's been phenomenal this year. So John Snyder and Pete Carroll have done a great job of finding hidden gems in the later rounds of the NFL draft, and they've rapidly rebuilt this team. And it's not really even a rebuild. It's more of a reset. It's identifying gems in the late rounds, immediately putting them in positions to succeed, developing them extremely well. And now the Seahawks are in a great position to contend. And I think one of the other things you have to give Pete Carroll credit for is his trust in Geno Smith. I think when the Seahawks made the trade for made the trade and traded Russell Wilson to the Broncos, everyone was saying Drew Locke was going to be the starter and they were just going to tank and hopefully get one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. But Pete Carroll recognized Geno Smith was one of the top prospects in his draft class for a reason. He has a lot of talent. He, he's a hard worker. He's committed to the team. He's not egotistical. He doesn't have an ego. He's just focused on helping the team win. And he's been great this year. He hasn't been the most flashy quarterback. He doesn't put up the biggest numbers. But crucially, he hasn't made mistakes. He's the exact type of quarterback that Pete Carroll wants. Someone who's great at managing the game. He's not asked to go out and throw 40 times a game. He hands the ball off. He hits his receivers on play-action passes. And he makes crucial throws in crucial moments. Now, do I think that the Seahawks can make a Super Bowl run this year? Probably not. Probably not even next year. And I'm not sure if Geno Smith is really the type of quarterback that can go on a Super Bowl run. But what I do know is that they are definitely a playoff contender. And for now, they are one of the best stories in the NFL. Pete Carroll probably will win Coach of the Year. Geno Smith will probably win Comeback Player of the Year. And it's just great to see a team that, despite losing the, the, the core of their team, despite losing the star of their franchise, was able to so quickly rebound. And now they're one of the most exciting young teams in the league. How long they can remain on this winning streak remains to be seen. But right now, Seattle has to be extremely pleased with how this season is going. And now also on that topic, they have to be extremely pleased with how the Russell Wilson trade has panned out. Because even though Russell Wilson and the Broncos won on Sunday, we just keep hearing stories about how Russell Wilson was out of touch with his teammates. He was doing high knees on the plane to London. More teammates have gone out and criticizing and criticized him, talking about how he's hard to reach. He thinks he's above the team. He doesn't really, he's not in the locker room very often. He doesn't communicate with his teammates. And the Broncos are now three and five. Their three wins have not been very convincing. Russell Wilson has not really had a standout performance. And as far as I'm concerned, 
This might go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history from a Broncos perspective and one of the best trades from the Seahawks perspective. I mean, you can tell what a team thinks about their quarterback from how they build the team around him. And just yesterday, the Broncos traded Bradley Chubb to the Miami Dolphins for a first-round pick. And to me, that was a signal of the Broncos saying, we don't think we're good enough to compete for the playoffs right now. We don't think we're good enough to compete for a Super Bowl. So we're better off trading one of our best players for future picks and rebuilding this thing because we don't trust that Russell Wilson is a good quarterback right now. And that's really an indictment on Russell Wilson because he was meant to be the savior of this team who was going to guide the Broncos to a Super Bowl. And he has been anything but that. So right now, I mean... You have to say the Seahawks absolutely fleece the Broncos. And the Broncos are in a really tough spot because Russell Wilson has a massive contract. A lot of that money is fully guaranteed. He has to stay on the team. And to be frank, he hasn't played like even an average quarterback in the NFL. So I don't know what the Broncos are going to do, but they are they dug themselves a huge hole. And let's see if they're able to, to dig themselves out of it. Now on to some quick hits. So the Dolphins beat the Lions on Sunday, and this was another high-scoring game. It seems that every game that Tua plays, it's high-scoring. Tua's obviously putting up big stats, and another player putting up big stats is Tyree Kill, who's on pace for over 2,000 yards this season. Now, I've seen a lot of people come out and say that the Dolphins aren't sustainable, that this that against good teams later on in the season, they're not going to be able to throw the ball 50 times a game and win, and that ultimately Tua's kind of weaknesses are going to come to light. But honestly, I see where they're coming from, and I, I do think the Dolphins may fall apart as the season continues. But basically every game that Tua's been healthy, the Dolphins have been phenomenal. And with Tyree Kill and with Jalen Waddle, they have two of the most dynamic wide receivers in the league. And I'm not sure how you're able to stop this offense when fully healthy because both Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill can can destroy a defense over the top. They can outrun anybody. You can use them on quick screens. You can use them on you can hand the ball off to them and use their speed. So I think that this offense is extremely dynamic. And I think that Tua's play is really underrated. Yes, he doesn't have the best arm. Yes, he doesn't have the best arm strength. Maybe if he didn't have these weapons, he wouldn't look as good. But, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, he's been phenomenal. There's a reason why Tyreek Kill is on pace to have the best season ever by a wide receiver. And a lot of people were saying they did, that they didn't know how Tyreek Hill would perform without Patrick Mahomes as, as his quarterback. But, I mean, Tua's lived up to what he needs to be. He's been great. And I'm not sure that he's going to fall off. I think... I think Tua's a genuinely good quarterback. I'm not sure he has the biggest ceiling. I'm not sure this offense is sustainable for, for a long time. But I think he's he's been great this year, and he deserves a lot more respect. Also, I think Coach Mike McDaniel deserves more respect. He's really His offense, I think, is really innovative. He, I think he's one of the brightest young minds in the NFL. So I think it's time to consider the Dolphins as maybe a legitimate contender. They're definitely not the best team in their division. The Buffalo Bills are definitely better, but I think they can make a playoff push. I think they can be a solid wildcard team, upset a few teams in January. With the addition of Bradley Chubb, that adds a whole new dynamic to their defense. I think the Dolphins are probably a year away from seriously competing, but you have to give them credit for where they are. Now, 
on the flip side, let's talk about one of the more disappointing teams, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders were shut out by the New Orleans Saints, and this is not a very good New Orleans Saints team. This is a New Orleans Saints team led by Andy Dalton, and they were just completely shut out by, and, and the Raiders couldn't score. And this is really concerning because it's not as if they're losing close games anymore. You know, at the start of the season, they were losing close games against really good teams, and you can make excuses for them. But at some point, now the Raiders are, are 2-5. and five. Their two wins have come out come against pretty bad opposition. They obviously beat the Texans a few weeks ago. They're probably one of the worst teams in the league. And I think the, you have to start blaming two people. And I think the two people you have to blame are Derek Carr, who's really been atrocious this year, completely the opposite of how he was last year. Last year, he was one of the most underrated players in the league. He really carried that Raiders team to the playoffs. And people forget the Raiders were within shouting distance of beating the Bengals. And remember, this is a Bengals team that went to the Super Bowl. So Derek Carr and the Raiders, Derek Carr was phenomenal last year. He was great. And everyone said with the addition of Devontae Adams, he would go to the next level and show everyone that he's truly a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. But that, it's just been the opposite. He has around an 80 pass rating. He's making bad throws. Devontae Adams really hasn't been as great as anticipated. And I think you can't just blame Derek Carr. You also have to blame Josh McDaniels. And that is the person I'm, I'm going to blame the most because... At some point, we have to question whether Josh McDaniels is actually a good coach in the NFL. Because, sure, he was the offensive coordinator for so many years in New England, and he had so much success. But there were a ton of offensive coordinators in New England who had a lot of success. Bill O'Brien was great in New England. And there was the offensive coordinator before that who was also great in New England. And whenever Josh McDaniels has been a head coach, he's been extremely disappointing. In Denver, he was an absolute disaster fired midway through his second season. And now with the Raiders, even though he has one of the most talented rosters in the league, they're 2-5. and five. The buck has to stop with him. The excuses are over. I don't think they should get rid of him right now, but they definitely need to be disappointed in where their team is right now because for a team with that much talent, they can't have their record. And for Derek Carr to regress that much, just with a change in head coach, even with the addition of new weapons, that's extremely disappointing. So now I'm, we're going to predict the two really marquee matchups next week. The first one is a matchup, a rematch of the NFC Divisional Round from last year between two teams that are below 500. The Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play on Sunday. And who do I think is going to win this game? I think it's going to be the LA Rams. I've talked about how I think Tom Brady is done, how I think he's just not the same player. He used to be the Bucks roster. It's not seemed to be as good as we predicted. I think even though the Rams might not have Cooper Cup, even though the Rams don't have a run game, I just think Matt Stafford is much better than Tom Brady right now. I know Matt Stafford hasn't been good, but Tom Brady just looks bad. If you really think about it, if you take a, if the Buccaneers have lost that game against the Falcons where there was that terrible rough from the passer call, if Dak Prescott doesn't get hurt week one, the Bucks might have one or two wins this year. Tom Brady has been very bad. The stats might not show it, but the film does. He doesn't have the arm strength. He's making uncharacteristic mistakes. He's not forcing the ball down the field. I think the Rams win this game because I trust Stafford right now more than I trust Brady. As for the Sunday night matchup, the Titans play the Chiefs. 
in Arrowhead, and the Titans have really rebounded quite well from their 0-2 start. Derrick Henry seems to be improving. He seems to be going back to his old form that he had last year before he sustained that major injury. So do I think they're going to be able to upset the Chiefs? No, I do not. Simply comes down to quarterback. No matter who plays, whether it's Ryan Tannehill or or the rookie quarterback whose name I'm forgetting right now, Malik Willis, um, Patrick Mahomes just by far a better quarterback than them. Also, I think the Chiefs have a better overall roster. Mahomes has proven that even without Tyreek Hill, he can still have an explosive offense. The Titans' defense is nothing special. The Titans don't have a lot of receivers. In my opinion, the Titans have just beat a lot of bad teams. I mean, last week they beat the Texans. That's their accomplishment. So in this game, I honestly think it's going to be a blowout, as have most of the primetime games this year. I think the Chiefs beat the Titans convincingly. So once again, thank you for listening to the Into the Huddle podcast. Make sure you share our podcast with whoever's interested in hearing more about the NFL. And make sure you stay tuned next week for our recap of Week 9. Thanks and goodbye.